Let's jump into the Word. I know that's what you came for, and man, what a great Sunday already. Hey, we're on a series of lessons, as you can see here and on the screen as well, uh, just entitled, you know, how, how we can make our church great. And if you weren't here with us last week and you want to pick it up on YouTube, you can watch uh, the, the uh, last week's uh, beginning lesson as well. But I'm not saying, by way of reminder, I'm not saying that our church isn't great. I'm saying, based on the scripture that I see, how we can continue to make our church great. Because I just flat out believe we have a great church. And, and by, by way of reminder, uh, great doesn't mean that you're the largest. You can be great and not be uh, you know, 79,000 people in your church. A great church has got nothing to do with numbers. It's got to do with the people that are in the church. Come on, everybody. And so I'm looking around. Come on, give yourself a hand clap. And at the house, I'm looking at a bunch of great people just doing great, great things. And so by way of reminder, I want to come to this scripture, this portion of scripture that we're building uh, you know, some teaching on that Jesus said that I see how we can continue to have a great, great church. We don't want to forget this. This is a foundational thought and teaching from Jesus Christ. Here it is one more time. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 46. Uh, someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall, come on, read it with me, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great command. We talked about this last week. The first thing that Jesus said, if we're going to have a great church, we've got to be committed to loving God with everything within us. We've got to be committed to loving God with all of our heart, everything within us devoted toward him. All, the, the center of our being, the center of our life focuses on him, not me, not my needs first. With all of my mind, my mind being renewed, Lord, work in me. What do you want me to do with my life? How, what, 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 what are you calling me to? And my soul, my emotions, I'm not going to let my emotions run crazy. I'm gonna, I want to love you with my emotional, my soulish man. And then he says this, that he, he goes on to say, after this, the second is like it. And here's where we're going to go today. He says, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he continues the thought, and he just says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that the Old Testament law, all the law and the prophets from the Old Testament hinge and hang on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with everything in you, we would say, your heart, soul, your mind, Mark actually says, and your strength, because everything we do, the strength of who we are has to be in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, directed towards him. But then Jesus didn't stop there. He said the second is like it. The second, we would say, is as important as the first. Loving God is absolutely important. But you know that you could love God and never be displayed in doing anything toward anybody else? And it's not supposed to be hidden. It's not supposed to be just you and Jesus and that, pardon me, but to hell with everybody else. That's not Christianity. That's not Bible. And it's not just, hey, I'm going to celebrate everybody else and pardon me, to hell with God. That's not it. It's not one or the other. It's not serving God and not serving man. And it's not serving man and not serving God. It's both of these things, not either or. The scripture is really clear and tells us that we need to love the Lord our God, but then also Jesus says here that these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. This second is of 
most importance just after the first. It's like the first. It, it, it needs to be connected with the first. That we have to be a people who consistently love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's the, that's the key phrase that's very challenging. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the question would be, how do you love yourself? You clothe yourself. You care for yourself. You, 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 you feed yourself. You, you, you take care of yourself in every realm. And Jesus said, great, great. Do that to your neighbor. To your neighbor. And we'll find out what Jesus actually says, who is your neighbor going to be? Because the Jews were freaked out with this, and Jesus actually tells them a parable, which would be a very familiar parable to whether you've been in church or never been in church. You've heard this or heard around it probably since you were a small child. The first command, loving God. The second command, Loving your neighbor. So I would say this. How you do the first command is to be reflected in how you do the second command. How I love God with my heart, my soul, my mind has to be reflected in how I love my neighbor. It's got to be with my heart. It's got to be with my soul, emotion, and it's got to be with my mind. I can, I can think about what I need to do to be a blessing to serve and show the love of God with the people in my neighborhood, the people that I work with, the people in my family, extended family, the people maybe that God brings across my path on a consistent basis. These are the people that the scripture says you and I are to love people who don't look like you, people who don't talk like you, people who don't have the same political view as you, people who don't have the same skin color as you, people who aren't from the same background economically as you. Everybody that you come in contact with that God has ordained to be around you, these are your neighbors. So if we don't, how well we do the first command is supposed to be reflected in how we do the second command. I'd say this as a follow-up. If you don't do the first command, or let me say it this way, if you don't really do the second command, you're not really doing and committed to the first command. If you don't do the second command, no one is really, no, listen, can I say this? This has been the rap on Christianity for a long time. If we don't do the second command, loving our neighbor, nobody cares about the first command. Nobody gives a hoot about you being in church on a Sunday morning or listening to us online if we're not committed to loving our neighbor. They don't care. They don't care about what you're telling and what I'm telling them about Jesus and heaven and hell and, and God's got a plan for me. If, if we are not showing them, if there's no demonstration of the love of God flowing through us, nobody gives a hoot with our message. Loving God is vertical, but loving God is horizontal. 
It's got to be both. And if we are going to continue to have a great church, if we're going to continue to be a people that make a difference in Chula Vista and the South Bay, we have got to be a people that aren't just committed to us loving God. We got to be a people that are committed to loving our neighbor. Can somebody in the room just say amen, clap your hands or do something, help a preacher out here this morning. Galatians 5.14, the apostle Paul says this, for all the law, check it out, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, here it is again, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This was so so stamped on on the disciples that they continually would say the same thing to the people they were writing to. Paul, of course, to the church at Galatia. The law is fulfilled in one word. We just, we read it a moment ago. You shall, look, look, you shall. That's not like a command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 13, verse 10. He says, love does no harm to a neighbor. Does, will not harm their neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It's fulfilled. The law is fulfilled by how well you and I love. Man, how do you love? Love your neighbor just like you love as you love yourself. How do you love yourself? How, how do you love yourself? I take care of me. I, I, I want to comfort me. I, I want to have a little extra money in my pocket. I, I want to make sure I'm not weird. I, I'm, I fit in. Then that's the way I got to be with my neighbor. I have no choice. If I'm going to ever get an opportunity to tell anybody about Jesus, they want to know, do you love me? Do you have interest in me? Wow. The Apostle James actually calls it the royal law of love. And it's displayed in you loving your neighbor. Again, all throughout the scripture, we find the same thing. James takes it a step further in James 1.27. James actually says this, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. This is pure This is 100% pure God, thought, heart, soul, mind. Here's what cranks God's tractor. Here's what turns him on. Your praise, your worship, your Bible reading, your communion every day, your tithing. No. Should you do that? Yeah. Maybe not communion every day, but, but should you do all that? Yeah. But pure and undefiled religion is this. Visit orphans, visit widows in their trouble, take care of them, go do something with the shut-ins, go do something with the orphans. I was in a meeting this past week that Brittany included me in. Brittany's a social worker, my daughter, in the South County, and we were at a meeting at a church downtown in Chula Vista, and it was a great, great meeting about how the churches, the, the entire social services community is open to churches bringing restoration and help to the foster care community. They have found that the church does it better than anybody. And so what they're doing is the government 
is partnering. And this room was full of grade A women. Almost every, uh, 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 there was just one or two guys there, these social workers. And these women are strong. They're all godly women, been praying for years on how to get the bureaucracy out and how to open up the door so the church could get in and be an impact in the social services with foster care and, 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 and short-term things and some longer-term things and, and giving respite and adoption Listen to me. Can I tell you something? My heart is being opened in this area for our church. And I'm just telling you right now on February 27th, we at Spectrum Church, we are going to make a difference in the foster care system in the South County. Yeah. How are we going to do it? I don't know. I don't know. But we're going to do something up in here. Know what we're going to do? We're going to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, our mind. And we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. Here's pure and undefiled religion. We're going to do something about some of this stuff. And God's going to help us. And God's going to open up a door. And we're going to get a chance to share the love of God in an area that, that has been closed to our community and communities forever. And we're not going to do it all, but come on, we're going to do something. Come on, everybody. We can do something. And we're going to see what God does in opening hearts and minds of the people in our community and even leaders in our community. Because something happens when the community and the region sees a church and churches that want to be a blessing. Come on, everybody. So pure and undefiled religion. Just take care of the orphans. Take care of the widows. Take care of the troubled. Take care of the neglected. This is what we do, how we love our neighbor. Take care of people that can't give you any benefit in return. <laughs> That's what, it's not I'll do this for you and then you do this for me. No, no, that's not what he's saying. That's not what love is. Love says I'm going to give with nothing, expecting nothing in return. I don't need a thanks. I don't need a handshake. I don't need nothing. I'm just going to share the love of God with you in a practical way. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, love your neighbor. Come on, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. <laughs> Come on, some of y'all saying that too much now. Come on now. So I got to notice people when they're struggling, when they're hurting and in pain. I'm going to notice them. I'm, I'm, I'm going to love them. I'm, I'm, I got to notice that. That's the first step. It's not just noticing. But now love is going to do something about it. Love's going to bring relief. Love's going to bring aid. Love's going to bring finances. Love's going to bring food. Love's going to bring, uh, uh, the, the, your, just your, sometimes it's just your presence. It's just, it's just your presence, just showing up, just, just, just being there. You know, statistically, we know this, that people come to Christ when they're in times of tension and, and trouble and transition. That, that's the number one way when people come to Christ. The number, the, the number age, in fact, we're finding uh, uh, people coming to Jesus is, is the, the age, uh, uh, the, the st- uh, uh, statistics tell us, are, are, are staggering that they're coming to Christ earlier, earlier, you know, under 13, under 12, right? But, 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 but some of us that haven't quite, you know, g- didn't get on board earlier, we're, we're coming to Christ, they're, they're coming to Christ in the times of tension, and in trouble, and in transition, things going on in their life. This is where we need to be aware, and we need to have our spiritual antennas up that we can share the love of God in a very practical and a real 
area. I'm asking you, get involved with the people in your hood. Your work hood, your extended family hood, the people around your neighborhood, whoever they are, your Starbucks hood, wherever, you are, wherever your little hoods are, your workout hood group, get involved with them. And let's see what Jesus starts doing. Would you do that this week, everybody? Just, just I want to be, I want to pay attention, Lord. Who are you bringing across my path? Who, who's, who's around my life right now? How come they keep show, how, how, how come I see them all the time? How come they show up at the same time all the time when I'm there? Guess what? Bing, bing, bing. God, you must want me to do something. Take the next step, right? Matthew chapter 10, Message Bible. The Message Bible is a transliteration, not a translation, not word for word. But, but I, I like the, what it says right here. Check this out. Jesus says, he sent his 12 harvest hands. Harvest hands means disciples. Out, out with this charge. Don't begin traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. Don't, you, you don't, you, you don't got to take a trip around the world. He, he says, and, and don't try to be dramatic by, by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Come on, right here where you live. Right in the street where you live. Right at the cubicle where you work. Right in that Zoom online business call that you go to three times a week. There's some folks right there in your hood, in your neighborhood, who are lost and confused. Tell them the kingdom of God's here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Wow, kick out demons. How many know that's a good thing to do? You've been treated generously, so just go ahead and give generously. Just give people what you've got. Just, just give people Jesus. Just be a blessing. Love people with everything in you as you love God with your heart, soul, and your mind. Love your neighbor. Come on, as much as you love yourself. Man. We don't go, go, have to go very far to share the love of God. Just, 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 just right close. That's what Jesus is saying. And, and this, this, when Jesus starts talking to the, the listeners, the Jewish people mainly, about who their neighbor was, that just freaked them out. Because they were very inclusive of Jewish people who thought and spoke and believed even in their own little rabbis that they would follow. Much like today, could I say, of so many different sex within, not S-E-X, pardon me, it's S-E-C-T-S, sex, within the Christian community that I follow this guy, and I follow this guy, and I follow this guy, and I follow this person, and I read this, and, I, and, and, and if we're not careful, you wind up isolating everybody else and don't even love people who serve the same Jesus you serve. That's a whole nother message. But Jesus says and tells us that the Jewish people only associated loving your neighbor with my Jewish brother. And Jesus said, I ain't talking about just your Jewish brother, so let me give you a parable and drive the point home. And the parable was a parable of the Good Samaritan. If you don't know it, it's in Luke chapter 10, the Good Samaritan. Jesus tells a story that there's this dude and he's going down the highway and he gets the you-know-what beat out of him. He gets robbed, left for dead on the side of the road. The priest, the pastor, mm -hmm, comes walking by 
and he looks at the brother and just says, I'm not going to get involved. And he goes his way. Then the Levite, mm -hmm, the church folk, they show up. So don't look at me funny now. The deacon, the server, the temple worker in church, he walks by and he looks and goes, I'm not getting involved. Then the Bible says the third guy walks by and he is a Samaritan. And the Samaritans are, are uh, ostracized by the Jews based on history a long time ago. Uh, tribes that had split and all kinds of crazy stuff that was going on. And the Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. But Jesus drives home the point of this parable that this Samaritan goes to the man and he pours in oil unto his wound and bandages the brother up, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an innkeeper, pays for several nights stay and tells the innkeeper, if there's more that's needed when I come back, I'm good for it. And Jesus concludes this teaching and says, who is the neighbor? And they all knew. It's the good Samaritan. It's the Samaritan. He's the one who did it. And Jesus said, you do the same. And whoever you show mercy to, that is your neighbor. Show mercy. Show mercy to the person struggling with their sexual identity. Show mercy to the person who's been divorced four times. Show mercy to the person who is struggling in addiction. Show mercy to the hurt, confused person who thinks that whatever spiritual thing is reality. Show mercy to every neighbor. That's all we got to do. That's all we got to do. Man, this guy, just think about this dude. Got one day just beat, some beat the tar out of him. Took all his stuff. The scripture says, pretty graphic. He was stripped and left for dead. And I think about the people that are our neighbors all around us that are just stripped. Not, not maybe clothing, but they're stripped Emotionally, they're stripped of their dignity because of something that they're dealing with. Divorce does that. Addiction does that. Causes you to hide. Don't want to open up. How about we be a neighbor? How about we be a neighbor to the parent who's dealing with a crazy, difficult situation with their kids and not try to come up and not try to, you know, make it about you and all that. Just, just, just coming up and just saying, whatever you need, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I, I, I'm here for you. I'm going to bring you a meal. You know what? And, and a lot of y'all don't know because you've just been here for, for a minute. We have got a great, great church, let me just tell you, that goes to bat and just does stuff for people above and beyond. And if I started naming names, I'd forget a hundred of you. But we have a church that just constantly rises up. And whenever there is a need, People just show up and give and pray and serve and bring and include and drive. And come on, everybody, give yourself a hand clap around here. So listen to me. You're in the right place. This is a judge-free zone. And, if, 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 and if, if I hear or I smell judgment, I'll come and we'll squash it. Because, come on, how many, you know, we all came from somewhere. 
And how many of y'all believe that Jesus is still working on you a little bit? Come on, everybody. Yeah. Man, oh man. So the good Samaritan, think with me just a second. He had something to give, resources. He, 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 had, he had oil and money. He, he, had, he, he, he had something to do. He had some time. He, he had some energy. And he had somebody also that he knew. He knew the innkeeper. He knew the innkeeper. He knew what he could do, but he had relationship with somebody else that could do something else. In other words, he realized, I, I, I can't stay here. I, I got to go to work on Monday morning. But you know what? I'm networked with somebody else. And that person is going to be able to help you. Listen to me. Don't be afraid of taking the first step. And don't be afraid of thinking you got to do it all. Because you don't. You just have to have a heart that's open to say, I love God. I'm going to love my neighbor too. And let's see what Jesus starts doing in you and in our church in a brand new way. Can you say amen? amen? Matthew 5, verse 44. Look at this. I love this scripture. Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. This is a posture that you do for the rest of your life. I'd encourage you. This is your posture in life. Love, bless, do good, and pray. I'm going to love people. I'm going to bless people. I'm going to do good to everybody I can do good to, and I'm going to pray for everybody, even if they spitefully use me and persecute me. Verse 45, Jesus says this, if you do this, this will mean that you are sons of your Father in heaven. I love it, sons, the word sons, because children don't do this. Sons do this. Children don't love. Children don't bless. Children don't pray. Children do the opposite. So the question I would proposition you with, are you a child or are you a son or a daughter? Because sons and daughters of God, sons of the Father in heaven, love, bless, do good, and pray. We don't judge, we don't point, we don't criticize, and we don't condemn. We love our neighbor as ourselves. He makes the sun rise in the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. We're going to let God be God, and we're going to let him do whatever he wants to do with whoever he wants to do, but I do not want to be the stumbling point for anybody who says, I will not serve God because the way I've seen God demonstrated through you. No. We're going to be the people, come on everybody, that love, that bless, that do good, and pray. Come on, I'm winding down. I'm almost there. Let me give you a couple of thoughts here, a couple more scriptures. Then three things I'm just ask, I'll ask you to do at the end. Knowing the Bible, here, I, I used to think this, but, but, but it's just wrong. No, knowing the Bible doesn't make you fully grown. 
Knowing the Bible doesn't make you fully grown. I've known people all my life, dear Lord, they, they, would, they could preach circles around me. They would read scripture. They'd memorize. In prayer meeting, they would not even the Bible closed. This is before iPhones and stuff. And they'd just spout off scripture, scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. Memorized, memorized, memorized. And they would be a wreck themselves. A wreck. Couldn't get free of all kind of sins and all kind of crazy stuff. So knowing the Bible doesn't make you fully grown. What does? Listen, here it is. Doing the Bible makes you fully grown. Come on, doing the Bible. We have to do what we know, act on what we know. Now, we even see this, this principle in the Old Testament that, that uh, with, with the nation of Israel, God told the nation of Israel, when it comes to the poor, when it comes to the needy, when it comes to the, 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 your neighbors all around you that are going through whatever they're going, hey, the, the land that you have, uh, don't glean to the corner of your land. Leave some of the produce on the corner that, that's when the poor and the needy come in, your neighbors that are, that are coming through or passing through, you, the, the, there's going to be some excess there that, that, that they're going to be able to live on. Uh, your whole life, there, there ought to be some excess around the corners of our life, not just finances, but finances, but I got a little extra love. I got a little extra time. I got a little extra mercy. I got a little extra hope for you. Come on, everybody. That's on the corner of my life. Then anybody who intersects with me, I got to overflow. Come on. Our cup runs over. Let it run over for our neighbor. Not just enough for us. It's not just for us. It's for the people that God brings into our lives. So let me read you a couple scriptures in closing here from John. The Apostle John says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. Then we'll read verse 20 here in a minute. Beloved, if God so loved us, come on, finish that with me. We also ought to love one another. Mm -hmm. Look at verse 20. If someone says, I love God. And hates his brother, he is a liar. He hates his brother. He hates his neighbor. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? That's pretty tough medicine, isn't it? But how you love the people you see is determined, he says. But how you love a God you don't see. And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. His neighbor. We found out that my, that my brother is my neighbor. Then John continues in chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Here's how we know love. Because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. So we get, we get a picture of it, that God laid down his life. So what, what, what do we do with our neighbor? What do we do with people in our lives? We, we do it with our family. Probably every parent in here, a time or two, <laughs> lots of times. You've laid down your life. You've laid down your agenda. You laid down your schedule, man, over and over and over for your own kids. They're small. I mean, I think of Tony and Brittany. You know, Taylor's six. Aria's, you know, 18 months. Aria, full of love, manic a squeezer. She ain't got a clue. She ain't got a clue how much love and laying down the parents do for their kids. And Jesus says, based on what John says, we, we, we know this love. Jesus laid down his life for us. 
and, and we also ought to do what? Lay down our lives for the brother, our neighbors. Look what he goes on to say. Whoever has this world's goods, what, 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 what kind of goods? Finances, of course. But you got some goods called mercy. You got some goods called patience. You got some goods called just hope. You got some spiritual goods on the inside of you as well. And you see a brother in need, but you shut up your heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? And he finishes in verse 18. Children, come on. Children, let's just not love in word or tongue. We got to love in deed and truth. It's, not, it's, got, it's got to move beyond something we say. And it's got to enter into something that we do. This is the difference. Doing always makes the difference. Man. So we know based on what John says and what we've heard this morning is that a closed hand reveals a closed heart. So I, I won't get involved. I, I, I won't be the good Samaritan. I, I, I see the need. Something's touching my heart. When we all have different, different touch points, but I, I don't want to get involved. I, I see need in a nursing home, but I'm not going to do anything. I see a need in my community with foster care, but I'm not going to do anything. A closed hand is just revealing a shut heart. And love, we know based on what we've already read this morning, Love is an action word, not just spoken word. Can't, can't say you love without doing anything. If you really love, it will move you to action. It will move you to sacrifice. It'll move you to pray. It'll, it'll move you somehow. And so my prayer for us is that how we're going to have a church that just keeps becoming greater and greater and greater isn't necessarily size, although I think we should keep growing numerically. We should keep growing spiritually. We should keep growing influentially, but the greatest thing we could do is we can keep growing and growing in how good we love God and we love our neighbor. If we'll do that, we'll be known and continue to be known as a great, great church. Can you say amen, everybody? Amen. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this in closing. Just who's on your road right now? Think with me for a second. Who, who's on your road right now? Just who's there? Who's on your road? Who's on your road? As you stop and think, the people that are around me, people that are, 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 are close to me, Jesus says this. Number one, be a neighbor. Be a neighbor. Be a neighbor. Be, be involved. Be, be, start. How about this, church people? Nobody in the room, maybe somebody online. Just be friendly. Just be friendly. Get that. Get that frown off your face. Walk in in the morning and go, I'm here. Things are about ready to change. Just be friendly. Secondly, I just say, just commit to compassion. Just commit to compassion. Commit to mercy. We found out Jesus said, you're going to be a good neighbor? You're going to be a person that just continues to show mercy. We all know what you think about it. We all know what you think about the 15-year-old who got pregnant. 
Your judgment, your finger pointing, your ostracizing her, you're saying don't be involved, that's really going to help her draw close to your God? You might want to give that a check and think again. How about, won't you come stay with me? Won't you come live with me? We'll move some stuff around. We're going to get you healed up, girl. We're going to have this baby, and we'll deal with that later. Love. What would love do? Commit to compassion. Oh, you're, you're dealing with that addiction again? Oh, wow. I can't believe it. Don't you believe the word? No, I believe the word, but I'm just struggling. What I really need is someone to help me. Good. Why don't you come every Tuesday night to celebrate recovery at 6 o'clock? We just want to be here to be a support for you and see if we can help and be used by God to get you free from whatever hookup or hangup you're dealing with. Yeah. And just lastly, we've said it all, all morning. How, how about you just decide to be involved? I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be involved. I'm personally going to be involved. I'm going to look around to who God's work, you know, put in my life, in, in, my, in my neighborhood, and I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to be a neighbor to them, be friendly, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to be, have the fruit of the Spirit working to me, I'm going, to, I'm going to be committed to mercy and compassion, and, and, and I'm just making a decision right now, I'm going to be involved. I don't know exactly what I can do, but, but I, I, I might just be the one that grabs, and then I, I, I bring someone to the innkeeper. I don't have to do everything, but I can do something, right? So, so we, we've all heard that phrase, you know, uh, find a need and fill it, fi find a hurt and heal it, find a problem and solve it. Just, just, just begin, and let's see what God does in you and through you and with you and what God does in our community in a new way. Come on, love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, our mind. The second is just like it. Have a great church. We're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. Come on, bow your head, close your eyes all over the room. Would you do it? Father, we pray this morning that there's people that you brought into our lives that are our neighbors. We're asking you that you would open up our hearts in a new way. Father, that you'd speak to us, that you'd encourage us, that you'd give us boldness. I pray for boldness for everybody in the room to begin getting involved in situations that might not have any end date or expiry to. We don't know how it's going to turn out, but we just know we need to be involved. Father, we're asking for the very strength of God to flow through us, to a lost and a broken humanity. We know as we love, you're empowering us that we're more like Christ when we love than any other thing. So we thank you today and we believe you today for the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. Even as we come into a time of Easter in the next several weeks, bring people across our path that we can invite and include and bring and pray for and show the love of God in a very practical way. Father, we pray and are asking for it. Give us a sign this week, I pray, for our church, every one of us, of people you want us to impact with the very love of God in Jesus' name. Everybody agree with that prayer? Just say amen. Come on, say amen like you mean it. Amen. I believe it. Come on, stand up with me. Would you do it this morning? 
I'm going to ask you to pray with me one more time before we leave this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the greatest thing you can do is making him Lord of your life. If he is not the number one in your life, the Bible says he will never take supremacy in your life. We don't add Jesus to our life. He has got to be the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. Many times.